We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. We've been in this series called Life Hacks, and we're supposed to be done like two weeks ago. And as God would have it, because God does his own thing. How many of y'all know, like, we serve a God who's like, listen, I'm going to do what I want when I do, when I do what I do. And so we're like, all right, the series is done. We're going to kick off a new series in June. He was like, no, you're not. You're going to finish off the series that you started. I said, wait, but we were done. He says, no, I've got one more word. We said, okay, yes, Jesus. And so we started working on this message. There was one more word. And as we're kicking around in the office on, at HQ trying to figure out what we're going to teach on, I end up going out of town. I'm flying back from Dallas. I'm like 30,000 feet in the air. Sarah sends me a text message. I got it. You know, we can preach about this this weekend. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, that's great. And because you gave me the idea, guess what? You get to preach it with me. And she was like, what? Like, yes, you're preaching with me. So we've been working on this word all week, and it's so good. And we were in the office with flip charts. We had all this type of stuff. And then we wrapped it up yesterday, and then I woke up this morning, and I'm getting ready. And God is like, you're not preaching today. I said, what? He says, um, Sarah's going to preach today. I said, by herself? He said, yeah. I got a word that I got to get through her. So you need to get out of the way, homeboy. And so... This morning, I want to introduce to you our amazing ministry coordinator here at Relevant Church, also our director of operation, the one and only Sarah Shirk. If you come up, come on, let's give her a round of applause. You ready for round two? You were singing kind of loud over there. You, You sure you got a voice? It's, it's there. It's okay. There. All right. So Can I pray over you? Yes, please. God, we thank you so much for this amazing woman of God. Thank you so much that she is obedient to you. God, she's obedient to your spirit. And Lord, even when I came in and I said, I believe that the Lord wants you to preach this message on your own, she received it well. And God, we thank you for what you did in first service. We, we're, we're looking forward to what you're going to do in this service, in the 1105 service. Lord, we just thank you that... Um, the word is, is sure, and as it goes forth, it never returns void. So let them, uh, the words of her mouth and the meditations of her heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, y'all. Woo! That was so good. I don't know about you, but worship, I mean, like, how y'all going to wreck me? And I got to get up here and preach for the first time ever. Whew, man, the Holy Spirit. He will do whatever he wants to do. And today I just pray he speaks through me to you guys. So I worked for eight years in a child care facility. And, you know, I also have a three-year-old. And kids love to put puzzles together. Guess what Sarah doesn't like? Puzzles. I hate puzzles. Do you want to know why? Because you put the whole thing together. You get out of the box. You dump it out. You put it all together. And what happens There's one piece missing. Yes, Sonette, you are right. There's one piece missing every time. It doesn't matter if it's brand new or it's 10 years old. There's always a piece missing. Isn't our life like a puzzle? We think we have it all together. We think we've got every piece that we need. And inevitably, we come to find that we've got a hole. We're not whole. 
You know, uh, growing up, I ate a lot of cereal. My mom said, here's cereal. You got, like, Cheerios and cornflakes and uh, uh, what are some of the good ones? Fruity Pebbles and Frosted Flakes. So cereal's great because you can teach a five-year-old how to get their own breakfast ready before they go to school, right? You can be getting ready for work. Your kid's feeding themselves. It's awesome. The downfall is when you're that kid and you go to the refrigerator and you open the door and you get the milk out and you're like, just enough for me. No one else is going to get any milk. You go and you pour it on your cereal and there's 10 drops of milk. Y'all, there's just enough milk to make the top wet and the bottom is dry. You can't put the cereal back in the box. You can't eat it. You're standing in the kitchen. Mom! We're out of milk! Put some water on it. Mom, I'll never put water on my cereal ever. No, you don't want to put water on your cereal. You want the whole milk. You want your cereal to be whole. Y'all, in life, we think that we have everything. We think that we are whole. We look at celebrities and we're like, man, they're whole. They got it all together. They have a huge house. Probably empty, but they got a huge house. They got cars. They have money. They have friends, right? They have all these people that always follow them around. They're paparazzi. But we think that they're their family, and we think that they're their friends, but they're not whole. We're like that, too. We think that we have the American dream, 2.5 kids, the best spouse ever, white picket fence, house. And yet we get up and we get in our car and we go to work and we come back and we go to work and we come back and we're not whole. We're going to go to John chapter 9. I'm going to give you a little bit of background. So Jesus is walking down the street with his disciples and um, he comes across This man, and he's sitting there, and he's blind. Now, the man has been blind for his whole life. He was born blind. So what does Jesus do? He is the ultimate healer, our ultimate physician. So, of course, he's going to heal the guy. He spits in the dirt, and he makes mud, and he puts the mud on the guy's eyes, and he says, hey, go wash your eyes, and you're going to be able to see. Would you wash your eyes? I'm going to go wash my eyes. So he gets up and he goes and washes his eyes. And sure enough, he can see. We're going to go to verse 13. If y'all need a Bible, raise your hand. The house crew will bring you one. So he can see. And, and the people who realize that this man can see now, they take him to the Pharisees because they're like, how can he see? I swear he was blind yesterday, two hours ago. But he can see. So they take him to the Pharisees. In verse 13, the the Pharisees are questioning the guy. They brought to the Pharisee the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can he be a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was division among them. And so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son 
who you say was blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, well, that is our son, and that he, he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age, and he will speak for himself. So all this is going on, and, and the Pharisees continue to ask him, how do you see? I don't believe you. There's no way that you were blind. And the Pharisees are planting seeds of doubt in this man. Now Jesus hears about this. He comes to them, and, and he has a conversation with the Pharisees. And he says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Who is the thief? The thief is the devil. The thief is the enemy. In context here, the thief is the Pharisees. The thief is anyone in your life who's going to put barriers on the gospel. It can be a religious leader. It can be a parent, a teacher, a friend, anyone in your life who's putting barriers on the gospel. But how do you know that they're putting barriers on the gospel if you don't know the word? You've got you've to take what they tell you and place it next to the word. It's got to align. Most people fight the word because they don't know it. They don't know that, that this is the truth. You've got to study it. You've got to put it in your brain so that, so that you can fight the thief. Because the thief is coming to kill, steal, and destroy. And he does it through seeds of doubt. Doubt leaves voids. I'm empty. I'll never be whole again. Doubt leaves us with pain. It hurts. I don't want to get out of bed. I'm depressed. Doubt leaves us with anguish and brokenness. Doubt leaves us with lack of wholeness. The devil only plants the seed of doubt, but we water it and allow it to grow with our responses. See, God made a perfect world. We go back to Genesis, and he takes his six days, and every day, it's good, it's good, it's good. And on the sixth day, it's very good because God created it, and it's perfect. And he takes Adam and Eve and creates them, and he places them in the garden, and everything's perfect. The world is perfect. And he says, hey, don't eat from that tree. You can eat anything in here. you got the whole garden but you can't eat from that tree. And the enemy comes in, and what does the enemy do? He says, you sure he told you that? If you're going to die by eating this fruit, why would he put it here? This is going to give you life. It's food, right? Are you sure he said that? The enemy places seeds of doubt into Eve, and, and Adam and Eve respond by watering that seed of doubt. They take it, they eat it, And because of that, we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We now have to reap that. The man was born blind. He was broken. We are born in brokenness. And because we're broken, because there's holes and there's gaps, now Satan can come and he can plant seeds of doubt in our mind because there's a gap there. But Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I, Jesus, he came for you 
and me. They are the sheep. Yes, he's talking about the sheep that are there with him now, but he's also talking about the flock that he's going to have, us. In John 10, 7 through 8, he says, So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all those who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Let's talk about sheep for a second. Y'all, sheep are gullible. They're going to listen to whoever's leading them. Sheep are, are prone to attacks. They need direction, but why are they prone to attacks? Because sheep are grazers. They've got their head down. They're eating the grass in front of them. They're going to eat it until it's all gone, and they're going to stay there because they're hungry. But what they don't know is over here is a green pasture, and they can go over there, but they need direction to get over there. And how do they get that direction? By the shepherd. But they also have to be surrounded by other sheep that are protecting them. See, when we have our head down and we're munching on the grass and it is so tasty, all we're thinking about is that grass. All we're thinking about is our job. All we're thinking about is our family. All we're thinking about is our bank account. Guys, the devil can get in if we're not thinking about the word. If our head is down and all we're thinking about is the here and the now, the devil's going to come in and attack us. And our friends play a big part in that as well because we're surrounded by them. And who surrounds you matters. Do they have their eyes out for you? Are they watching for predators? Yesterday, Pastor Latricia said, are your friends your prison or are they your passport? Are the sheep that are around you in the pasture that you're in, are they going to protect you? Are they going to have their eyes open to what's around you or are they just like you? Going through the motions, eating the grass, head down, not prepared for the attack. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus doesn't call us to exist, but to live. Y'all, there's a difference between existence and living. Existence is living in iniquity. It's living in sin that it just takes over your life. You think it's okay because he does it. You think it's okay because... She does. It makes me feel good. It fills the void. Existence is it's depression. It's envy and greed. It's fear. But what is life? Life abundantly is living on mission like we learned about last week. It's walking with purpose and in your calling. And an amazing example of that is Lewis, our next-gen director, who... Yeah, yeah, clap for him. (laughs) He did not want to deal with the youth because they're all knuckleheads and we know it. And you know what? I don't blame him. So God said, Lewis, you're going to work with the youth. And he said, "Mm mm-mm, I'm comfortable right here. And God said, you're going to work with the youth. And he said, "Mm mm-mm, I'm comfortable right here. And God said, you're going to work with the youth. And Lewis said, use me. And because he was obedient to that, because he stepped into his calling, he lives with purpose and on mission. We have seen our youth go from two to 20 and 40 and 50. And in one night, we watched over 100 students walk through the doors of a youth event. And they all heard the gospel. 
When we live an abundant life, God's favor is on us and it pours out of us. Lewis has favor with the students. He has favor with the teachers and the school. Y'all, we have favor with the school. Isn't there this thing called separation of church and state and yet we have favor there? He's got favor in the community because he's living on mission with purpose and walking in his calling. Existence is a choice, but so is life. Point number one. Existence is the greatest threat to human potential. God has called us to more. There is more for us. There is not just life, but there's life abundant. Existence is a zombie. Why do we love uh, the walking dead? Because we are the walking dead. We wake up in the morning, we get a shower, we eat our breakfast, we walk out the door, we come home, we eat dinner, we watch TV probably, and then we go back to bed. And what do we do the next day? The same thing. We are zombies. But there's a hack. Point number two. Doubt leads to existence, right? Belief leads to abundant living. Doubt is a seed. You can water it or you can stifle it. I've been married. I've been divorced. I've had the seed of doubt placed in my head. You're not good enough. No one's ever going to love you again. Who would want the baggage that you carry? And so what did I do? I watered it. Watered it. I watered it. I said, oh, Maybe if I go to brothers, you know, I'll find the guy there that's going to love me. Or maybe if I go over here to Aurora's, I'll find the guy who's going to love me. I was searching in all the wrong places to fill the void that I was left with. I wanted wholeness, but I wanted wholeness from the world because I was watering the seed of doubt. How do we hack that? Right belief leads to abundant living. And right belief is found right here. You've got to change what you put in your brain. You've got to stifle the seed of doubt because it will grow and you will continue to exist. You've got to feed yourself. You know, God made us perfect in his image. It says that we were made that way. God is perfect. I was created perfect. I don't need a man to love me. I need to know that God loves me. I need to know that the doubt that I feel when I'm searching for love from a guy, God loves me. That's my right belief. Point number three, abundant living is the result of choosing to have a personal relationship with God. Satan attacks the mind. Jesus convicts the heart. In Romans 12, Paul writes, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. See, here's the thing. The world's going to tell you you're not good enough. The world's going to tell you you need a house. You can't live in an apartment. Everybody needs a house. The world's going to tell you you have to have 2.5 kids, a husband, a car, a white picket fence. The word tells you you need salvation. 
The word tells you, you need to trust me. I'm the great provider. I will provide for you. Don't believe what the world tells you. The world is placing seeds of doubt in your mind. You got to take what you know in your heart and move it 10 inches to your mind. You have to renew your mind day in and day out. And the only way to do that is by studying this day in and day out. What does it all come down to? You got to make the choice. The choice is yours. Christ has given you life to live, so stop choosing to merely exist. Point number four. We're going to say it one more time. Christ has given you a life to live, so stop choosing to merely exist. I can't make the choice for you. Liz can't make the choice for you. Denise can't make the choice for you. You have to make the choice on your own. And the choice is yours. So if you want to hack wholeness, if you want to experience abundant life, you've got to choose life. In Deuteronomy 30, it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. The options are there, guys. He said, go this way, choose life. Go this way, choose death. And then it gets even better. He says, therefore, choose life. We're dumb. He gave us the answer. He said, choose life or choose death, but you're going to want to choose life. And how do you choose life? You choose life by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and, and length of days, guys. Life is only found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't find life in personal relationships with your friends. You can't find life in your job. You can't find life in having a house and in a bank account with all the zeros. And they're before the decimal point. Um, Y'all, you can only find wholeness and life and life abundantly in a personal relationship with Christ. But the choice is yours. I can tell you to make the choice, but I can't make it for you. I can provide you with the information, but I can't make the choice for you. Choice equals change. Choose life, and you'll have it abundantly. I'm going to invite Pastor Mutsu to come up, because I know there's people in here who want life abundantly. What a word. What a word. You know, it's funny. um, We say here authenticity is the only requirement at Relevant Church. And uh, I I just kind of feel like God has just been revealing it more in me, where I'm just a little bit more transparent than I am usually. Um, We've always tried to champion to be a church that's definitely transparent right here up front. The boldness in which Sarah just talked about her history, about her past, like we're all pretty open at that. And for me, if I can just be open and transparent about this, the last three weeks, maybe the last month has been just absolutely difficult. It's been absolutely difficult, and I felt like I've just been existing. It's one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. It's like I don't even have time to get up to breathe. And, you know, it's so funny. Um, uh, Mike Tyson always says, uh, he, he said this uh, a while back. He says, you've got a plan. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. 
And it felt like I just kept on getting punched in the face and punched in the face and punched in the face. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I just got to keep going and going and going and try to just, I, I just got to live right now. But really, I wasn't living, I was existing. You know, I, I could even tell my prayer life, I was getting up in the mornings and I was doing those regimented prayers. You know, those prayers where you get up in the morning, dear God, thank you for waking me up this morning. I pray that I have a good day. I pray that you may go before me. Let your angels cover me. In Jesus' name, amen. And you get so used to praying those repetitive prayers that at the end of the day, they stop even having any meaning. It's like, you ever been driving and have no clue how you got home and you were sober? Had to add that. (laughs) God calls us to life and life abundantly. And it's funny, Jesus says that in the New Testament and in the Old Testament that Sarah just read from Deuteronomy 30, 20, 29. It says, uh, I set before you life and death. He says, choose life. And he says, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, reading his word so you know his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life. But it doesn't end there. It says, and length of days. See, this terminology, length of days, meant abundant living. Everybody wanted to have a full life. So he was saying, listen, I'm not only just giving you life, I'm giving you a full life, a life that is rich, a life that is hopeful, a life that is filled with so much grace and so much passion and so much vision and so much growth. Why are you choosing to merely exist so I sent my wife a text I'm sitting in the airport I'm like Christine I can't do this anymore you know when a wife gets that she's like excuse me but what I was saying is I just I can't keep existing anymore I need life I need to rediscover my joy. I need to rediscover my passion. I need to rediscover grace. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So how can I claim to know Jesus if I don't feel like I'm living and I'm just simply existing? And, you know, it's easy as a pastor to get up here and preach the word and, and, and declare the word over your life. And God today said, no, I need you to sit under the word today. Because this is you. You've been existing, and if you want life and life abundantly, I need you to choose life. Mutan, make a declaration today that you will choose life. And maybe there's somebody in here today who's like me. You've just kind of been going through the motions of life. It's just been a daily grind. You've just been existing. Like Sarah said, you, you, you get up in the morning, Take a shower, eat breakfast. Maybe something, some of us don't eat breakfast because we're just rushing out. We just got up right enough time just to get out the door. We get through life. We get to the end of the day. We plop on the couch, maybe watch some TV. And if you're me, you fall asleep watching TV. TV watches you because you just spent. And then you get up and you do the same thing over and over and over again. And then you realize, man, when's the last time I really spent time with the Lord? When's the last time I really spent time with my kids? When's the last time I really engaged the relationships in my life? When is the last time that I just felt alive? I don't know if you've been there. Maybe this message was just for me. But God is calling you and I 
not to merely exist. He's calling us to live in this life and in the life to come. But abundant living is not meant only for eternity. Eternity begins right here on earth for our Christians. And today, if you want to start your journey in eternity, in the abundant life that God has called out over your life, and, and you're saying, and, and th- listen, if you're in here and you're admitting, just like me, I'm the first one down here. You know, you did the altar call back in the day. Everybody come forward. I'm the first one up here. If you've just been existing right where you're at, just raise your hand. And you're saying, man, I'm done. I've just been existing. I've been just going through the grind. Look at all these hands. We're not alone. You're not alone. We're all in here. And today, will you choose life? Choose life. Slow down. Spend time in God's word. Rediscover the gospel. The simple truth that Jesus loves you so much that he loved the Father so much that he obediently came and gave his life so that you and I can not only exist, but live. And I love what Paul says in the writer, one of the greatest writers in the Bible wrote on the majority of the New Testament. And he says, listen, he says, for it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I live in the flesh is now lived through the power of God who saved me. Do you want access to that power? Choose life. Choose life. Now, there may be somebody here. You've never, ever chosen life. See, uh, as we were studying, there was a whole bunch of notes. We had like flip charts and all these types of notes. And there's so much that we left out. But I just want to share this moment. Existence. It's easy to look out in the world and condemn and say, oh, those people are just, you know, they're just existing. They don't understand the gospel. But the reality is this sense of existence hits us Christians. This doubt hits us Christians as much as it hits everybody else. See, Satan is not like he's not picky. He just wants to ruin everybody's life. It's like everybody's under the gun, Christian, non-Christian. So you're going to get doubt. But the beauty of all it is you've got Jesus Christ. It says the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that lives within you. And God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly all that you can think and imagine according to the power that lives within you. So why sit on a pile of a million dollars and complain about being broke? You would call that person a fool. But many of us are living foolishly. Because we've got the power of eternity living inside of us. And we have just not unlocked the truth because the enemy has just gotten into our heads. I pray that this word struck the core of your heart. But it's not going to end there. It's going to start traveling up. Ten inches up to your brain. And you are going to choose the right beliefs. 
the right thoughts. You are an overcomer. You are loved. You are victorious. You are powerful. You are beautiful. You are new. The old has passed away. The new has come. No longer walk in the ways of the past. No longer walk in the guilt of the past. No longer walk in the pain of the past. No longer walk in the frustration, the lives of the past. You can walk in the newness of life today. Today. And if you want to say yes to Jesus today, uh, you've heard the gospel, you've heard it preach, you've, you've heard about God loving us and sending his son and dying for us and being resurrected on the third day, and you're saying, I want to accept that personally. I've heard about that. It's been talked about. But I've never really owned it myself. I've kind of done this church thing out of form and function, or maybe I'm just here for the first time and I really didn't even know what to expect. But today, God is saying, come home so I can welcome you home. If, if you know that under the sound of my voice, under the sound of Sarah's voice, God's conviction hit your heart. See, the enemy goes for the mind. God says, listen, the heart is where it counts the most. Because if I can change the heart, then I can control the entire body. And today you want to say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I've lived out of alignment with you. I thought I could do this life on my own. I thought I could do it the best way. And I realized today I've been nothing but a sheep grazing a dry pasture. And today I want the green pasture of a new life that's only found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are in here, would you be bold enough to just allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart? In fact, if you are hearing this and you are feeling it, your heart has already been changed. Now show the enemy that you are going to believe that your heart's been changed. Right where you are, just slip your hand up. I see hands everywhere. I see hands everywhere. Praise God. And listen, uh, when we come to say to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, it's important that it comes out of our own mouth. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. See, this prayer, there's nothing miraculous in this prayer outside of the fact that the miracle has already happened and you're acknowledging it. And so you're letting, know, you're letting the devil know, I believe it. No longer am I believing your lies. I'm believing that today I've been transformed. So would you pray with me, all the heads about, all eyes are closed. Everybody in the room say, dear God, I'm coming home. Forgive me for living so far away from you and believing in my head that I was far from you. While all along, you've been there, drawing me, wooing me, and in this moment, transforming my heart, I accept your gift of new life through Jesus Christ. Forgive me. Heal me. Make me whole. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Everybody lift a shout of praise for Jesus this morning.
thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.